This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Up next, the killer is hunting law enforcement. He's murdered right outside the courthouse. I was just amazed and shocked. Possible targets are on edge. I felt like there was a vendetta against law enforcement as a whole. This hit very close to home. That attack was very brazen. But the killer's own arrogance creates the clue that exposes him. We had our evidence. Just a profound sense of relief that we had our guy. It was kind of a mix of Christmas morning and the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. Hoffman County, Texas, is close to Dallas, yet retains many of the down-home qualities Texans still hold dear. But proximity to Dallas is not without its cost, and Kaufman City, the county seat, sees more than its fair share of crime. It's kind of like Mayberry, but Mayberry with methamphetamine, maybe, and the Aryan Brotherhood. Just by being situated close to Dallas County, they get a lot of that big city crime slopping over their, their county borders. On a January morning in 2013, it was business as usual around the Kaufman County Courthouse. The time of day, this is the time when the courthouse really starts to come alive and, and the square itself comes alive. For Mark Hassey, a well-respected prosecutor, it looked to be a regular day at work. As Mark made his way to the courthouse, a man came up to him and appeared to confront him. Linda Bush, a prosecutor and a former police officer, saw all of this as she was parking her car. Mark was walking toward the courthouse. As they got closer to each other, the person who was walking toward Mark shoved him. Within seconds, this became much more than a shoving match. The man who'd approached Mark pulled out a pistol, pushed it into Mark's neck, and shot him five times. Mark crumpled to the sidewalk. The shooter, who Lenda couldn't identify, ran to a waiting car and was driven away from the scene. Lenda's police training kicked in, and she followed the getaway car. There was not a license plate there, so I saw no number or anything. Lenda tried to tail the car, getting as many details on the make and model as she could, and then rushed back to help her friend. Police arrived moments later, Mark was still alone when I got there, and I started giving him CPR. And more importantly, I started telling him that we're here, we know what's happened, and help is on its way. But it was too late. The courthouse community was a tight-knit group, 
everyone was stunned by this murder. It was horribly brazen. It was horrific. It was terrible. The attack itself was in broad daylight, right off a busy town square. It was unprecedented. The murder was seen by a lot of people, but eyewitness descriptions, as is common, vary wildly. However, in this case, the witnesses agreed on one thing. The shooter was all dressed in black. Even his face seemed to be concealed in, in some way, like he had some type of a, a mask on, but they really couldn't describe it. They couldn't put it into words. This had all the trappings of a professional hit. Someone had clearly targeted Mark Hassey, a prosecutor known for his scrupulous honesty. The assassination of a public prosecutor was a national news story. Investigators tonight combing through leads in a desperate attempt to track down the killer who shot and killed Mark Hassey. For Mark Hassey's co-workers, it was an unmitigated tragedy. The unmarried 57-year-old had put a lot of criminals behind bars. He was known around the courthouse as kind of the little lawyer with the big voice and just very tenacious and kind of a prosecutor's prosecutor. And it appeared that's what got him killed, which had his co-workers wondering if anyone else could be a target. People were concerned. Citizens were concerned. Law enforcement were concerned. Uh, it was the not knowing who's doing this, not knowing who's possibly next, and not knowing why this was being done. This show is supported by BetterHelp Online Therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Maybe you'd go hiking or take a much-needed nap. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? BetterHelp wants you to know that now's the time to choose happiness. And working with a therapist can help you get closer to a more blissful you. Therapists are trained to help you figure out challenging emotions. And they teach productive coping skills, giving you a greater sense of confidence to face your stress and anxiety. With BetterHelp, you get the benefits of in-person therapy. Plus, it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. BetterHelp is connected over 3 million people in counting with licensed therapists, all 100% online. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forensic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash forensic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. After the shocking murder of Mark Hasse, the point man on finding his killer was Mark's boss, District Attorney Mike McClellan. We're going to find you. We're going to pull you out of whatever hole you're in. And we're going to bring you back and let the people of Kaufman County prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. Mike took Mark's death very personally. It was on Mike's watch. And especially since it was right outside of the courthouse, Mike felt like he should have been able to protect him or been there in some way. Suspicion immediately fell on people Mark Hassey had put in jail. 
He prosecuted a lot of organized crime individuals, heavy hitters, gang-related type cases. So you thought maybe it might have been retribution for one of them. He tried a lot of high-level drug cases, a lot of very violent drug cases. So a major focus was to look back at some of those old cases and see if anybody had paroled out or any of those guys that he'd gotten so much time on still carried that level of vengeance that they would have him gunned down. In line with the theory that this was a professional hit, there was only one piece of evidence at the crime scene, a single bullet, apparently a missed shot. It was a kind of a unique type of ammunition, not one that you see a lot. It was a 38 plus P ammunition. This ammunition is built to be more powerful than a standard 38 caliber, perhaps another sign the shooter was a professional. That bullet was fired from either a 38 Special or 357 Magnum caliber firearm with five lanes and groups with a right hand or clockwise twist. Possible manufacturers, the firearm that could have fired that bullet included, but were not limited to, Ruger, Smith & Wesson, or Taurus. Detectives poured over Mark Hassey's case files, looking for potential suspects. Then, six weeks after the murder, there was a nearly identical murder in Colorado. We begin them with the breaking news and the murder of Colorado's prison chief. The head of the state's Department of Corrections was gunned down on his front porch. Two days later, a car linked to that murder was found in Texas. The driver, 28-year-old Evan Ebel, was a white supremacist with a history of violence. He promptly shot and wounded the deputy who pulled him over and then led police on a miles-long car chase that only ended after he crashed into a truck and later died. This bizarre series of events had a possible direct connection to Mark Hassey. He had put a lot of members of the Aryan Brotherhood, a notoriously violent white supremacist gang, in jail. So obviously getting into a shootout with law enforcement, somebody connected to the white prison gangs, we looked at him almost instantly as a potential suspect in this case. A bullet recovered from this shootout with police was consistent with the caliber of bullet recovered from the Hassey murder. But this connection quickly fizzled out. Evan Ebel was not in Texas at the time Mark was shot. It was a strange coincidence how all of this happened. Everything just kind of intersected at the same time. A lot of our county officials had protection. We didn't know who was watching, and I had two daughters that I wanted to make sure were safe. Nine days after the Evan Ebel shootout, a Dallas police officer paid a visit to the home of Kaufman County District Attorney Mike McClellan an old family friend. And what that officer discovered brutally confirmed suspicions that someone was after local law enforcement. This is a targeted event, it has to be. Somebody just doesn't come in your house and, and kill you in your own home for no reason. Mike McClellan was the hard-charging district attorney of Kaufman County. His wife, Cynthia, was a nurse who loved her role as the DA's at-home right hand. She definitely enjoyed kind of being the mom of the DA's office. She would bring in cookies, or if somebody was having a new housewarming or a new baby, she would make them a quilt. She loved hosting Christmas parties for everybody. 
The McClellans, like everyone in Kaufman County law enforcement, were on guard after the execution-style murder of Mark Hasse, one of Mike McClellan's top prosecutors. Everyone was definitely on edge. I mean, you had a first assist district attorney that was murdered right outside the courthouse. So I think it made everybody a little bit nervous as to what was going on and how they should proceed after this. C.J. Tomlinson, a Dallas police officer, had close ties to the McClellan family. His parents had known them for years. In fact, he later married their daughter, Christina. On the Saturday before Easter, the McClellans weren't returning any calls. I had received a phone call from my mother saying that she was going to go over to the house and check on him because she hadn't been able to get a hold of Mike or Cynthia all day. At that point, I didn't think a whole lot about it. I said, okay, you know, go over there. CJ's mother arrived to find the house locked with the lights on and the cars in the driveway. Concerned, she called her son. Soon, both CJ and his mother entered the home and found a scene of stunning violence. Whoever did that was a monster. Whoever was, was capable of doing that, walking into someone's house and shooting two people and an innocent lady that had nothing to do with anything besides being married to the DA. You're a monster. The McClellans, still dressed in their pajamas, had been shot repeatedly. Mike 16 times, Cynthia eight. And it was just a savage, brutal crime scene that just kind of screamed overkill when you looked at the crime scene. There was no forced entry. No one knew how the killer got into the house, but it was clear he had only one purpose. If I had to describe it, it was almost like a hunt. It was very concentrated on them. There's no doubt that he went in there with the intent to kill whoever was in there. There was no weapon at the scene, but analysts recovered 20 shell casings, which the shooter clearly didn't attempt to hide. These 223 caliber casings were consistent with bullets recovered at the McClellan's autopsies. On the bullets, we were able to look at those microscopic patterns and determine that one single firearm had fired all of those bullets. So essentially, investigators were looking for one firearm that was used in that offense. And that firearm was some sort of semi-automatic assault rifle. A piece of surveillance video from a nearby business raised a disturbing possibility that the killer might be a disgruntled member of local law enforcement. There was this one video that was captured near the McClellan's home, and it was an unmarked white Crown Victoria that was similar to a police car. That raised a red flag for us. Did Mike McClellan know his killer? Had he let a police officer into his home, not knowing he and his wife could be a target? No one had any answers, and Kaufman County had never seen anything like this before. To have two prosecutors from the same office, along with one of their spouses, gunned down in such a short time frame, it just makes your head spin. I didn't have any context in which to put it. All I knew is I was scared. 24 hours after the McClellan murders came a possible break. Among the hundreds of tips that poured into the Crime Stoppers website was one that jumped out. This tipster claimed credit for the murders under a headline that read, Do we have your full attention now? The tip actually named the ammunition type in the Hashi murder, which did get our attention because 
Until now, it was only law enforcement who knew this. So it was either the shooter or law enforcement because we were the only ones who knew at the time. The tipster threatened to commit more murders unless a local judge resigned that week. Despite the tip, frustrated detectives were no closer to identifying a suspect until they found out something that Mark Hassey and Mike McClelland had in common before they were murdered. One year earlier, they convicted a local justice of the peace, 46-year-old Eric Williams, for theft of public property. His case appeared to be the only thing that tied the murders together. But theft of public property is a long way from cold-blooded murder. It's a big stretch, for sure. Stealing computer monitors from the county IT to, you know, capital murder. Yeah, it's a big stretch. Just six months into Eric Williams' job as a local justice of the peace, he was caught on tape taking computers from his office. He said it was perfectly legal. He compared the uh, computer monitors with uh, toilet paper. He thought it was okay to go to the room and get toilet paper for his bathrooms in his office, so he just went into the room and, and took what he wanted. I don't think that you actually believe, I mean, you're an educated person. I see you class ring on your finger. That you can just walk into a ID department and say, I need a monitor, I'm taking that one. I mean, there's places that do that. Places being here in Coleman County, or? Well, I mean, there's businesses that will yeah. It depends on how they run all their departments. Mike McClelland assigned his toughest prosecutor, Mark Hassey, to prosecute the case with him. Eric Williams was convicted and got probation, but the conviction ended his career. And his life had been on an upward trajectory for quite some time. And then when he was convicted of these crimes by Mark and Mike, that was the first bad thing that had gone wrong in his life. Was this the vendetta feared by local law enforcement? A criminal record and the possibility of revenge was enough for a search warrant. In Williams' house, on a piece of scrap paper, detectives found a game-changing clue, the password to the Crime Stoppers tip line. Every time a, a tip is submitted online, it generates a unique password to that website. And Eric Williams, as the user of that tip, had a distinct individual password, and he wrote that down. One of the agents recognized that that was the password for the online tip we had been concerned about. So it was a good piece of detective work. When word got out that Williams was a suspect, detectives got a call from a friend of his. He knew of a storage shed that might have a connection to the murders. Investigators descended on the facility, found a white Crown Victoria similar to the one caught on video leaving the crime scene. And that wasn't all. There were plenty of weapons that looked like AR-type weapons or 38 caliber 357s. That was an amazing moment. There's probably not words that would adequately express what it felt like when we saw that door go up. Among all the firepower in the shed, the key piece of evidence appeared to be one unfired round, apparently left by accident. Everything else, all the other thousands of rounds Eric Williams had in that storage unit, was meticulously put away and kept in place. He was a neat freak. 
but this one live round was found in the bottom of a tactical bag. And a fast-thinking FBI agent collected it, packaged it separately, and sent it to the lab. This live round had apparently been in one of Williams's automatic rifles and then taken out without ever having been fired. But when the bullet was put in the gun and when it was ejected, tool marks were left on the soft metal of the bullet's shell casing. I determined that that unfired cartridge had at one time been cycled in the same unknown firearm as all the fired cartridge cases from the McClellan crime scene. Looking at those microscopic patterns, we determined that that unfired cartridge had in fact been loaded and then unloaded from the same firearm as the fired cartridge cases from the crime scene. The ballistics was huge for us because it put Eric in the home of the McClellans. There was one last question. Who drove Williams away from the Mark Hassey murder? Williams's wife, Kim, was questioned. When told of the mountain of evidence against her husband and that both of them faced possible execution, she immediately admitted she was in on the plot. She told us that Eric's pain was her pain, his joy was my joy. So I think she was his biggest cheerleader. She felt wrong by Mark and Mike, and she wanted payback just as bad as Eric Williams did. Kim Williams led police to a local lake where she claimed she and Eric disposed of evidence. Dive teams later found the mask Williams wore when he shot Marcassi. Also found were two guns, one of which was tied back to the Marcassi murder by ballistic analysts. Prosecutors say Eric Williams planned everything. At the McClelland home, he came in shooting, knowing his assault rifle would leave shell casings behind. What he apparently didn't know was that when he emptied the unused bullets from that gun after the murder and picked up those bullets, he missed one. And that bullet had microscopic tool marks that tied it back to the gun used to kill the McClellans. After the murders, Eric Williams and his wife celebrated with a steak dinner. One thing to understand about Eric Williams, uh, he's a psychopath that thinks he's smarter than everyone. Finally, his ego was his undoing. And that ego was on full display when Williams drove his Segway to talk to reporters shortly after the murders. My heartfelt condolences go out to both the McClellan family and the Hassey family because they were in public office doing the right thing and for some reason that we're not aware of have paid the ultimate price for that. In December of 2014, Eric Williams was convicted of capital murder and got the death penalty. Kim Williams pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and was sentenced to 40 years. The murders left their mark on the community and might not have been solved if not for the microscopic marks left on the single bullet that finally broke the case open. This case would have been exponentially more difficult if we did not have the forensics. Even though we don't have the gun, we know the gun that was in Eric Williams' storage unit was the same gun that was at the McClellan crime scene. So that ballistic piece for us without that murder weapon was just absolutely uh, a home run for us. 